Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Good Drop, where each week and every week we travel to landlocked Germany to try the original Riesling. Yes, that's right. We are on the banks of the Rhine, talking Riesling. It is 100% German origin. It is. It is indeed. Just don't tell the French. Wines of the world, indeed, and it's noble. Noble, yeah. One of the one of the nine noble whites. It uh, all started way back in the uh, early fourteenth, fifteenth century. Early fifteenth century. That's correct. Yes, the Riesling grape is most likely native to Germany, with the first recorded mention of the grape actually appearing in a 1435 sale of several Riesling vines to a German count. Wow. Yeah. So uh, it's a it's a sales record. That, sales record that's really done it. So it yeah. has it so it must have been around longer than than that to have been sold. Yeah, well exactly. They had grown the vines, they were selling them to a count. The count counted his vines said ah 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 <laughs> And obviously he liked the grapes, so that's why. And everybody else likes them too. Well, it's still popular today. Like, honestly, not quite as popular as it used to be. Uh, Chardonnay has taken that uh, has taken that baton, um, but it is what one of the most widely grown grapes in the world. Mm, it is, and it still constitutes. A very large amount of grapes grown in Germany. Mm. So what we have is a very, very pale wine. It's is this a straw color? I don't know. Like what color mm. is straw? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you could <laughs> call it a straw color. It's actually very similar in appearance to a sparkling white. Mm. It's a very, very bright, uh, bright colored wine. We're expecting it to be, to be very crisp and fruity. Yeah, so I guess before we taste, we should talk through the flavor profiles. Yes, because... Of... Well, that that's important because it differs for uh, for where it's grown. It does indeed. Well, sorry, it, it strongly differs for uh, from where it's grown. Yeah, so it's... Uh, and aromatic floral white that usually has fruity flavors but as you said that varies dependent on location now and i guess the the age as well because the younger rieslings tend to have flavors of fruit and well the younger rieslings tend to have flavors that are fruit and flower forward including apple grapefruit peach pear Gooseberry, honeycomb, rose blossom, and freshly cut grass. Mm. Versus an Australian Riesling, which would you'd expect to have 
uh, lime flavors, peach, pineapple, nuts and toast, and maybe flavors like slate, blossoms, and spice. Yeah, and uh, yes, areas like uh, Austria, which are slightly warmer than the parts of Germany and France where it's growing, tend to develop more citrus and peach notes. Hmm. So, given that this is a German Riesling, we would ex- we would be expecting maybe potentially a little bit of petrol notes. Mm, depending on the quality of it, yes. And that is, in fact, something that a lot of people initially find off-putting mm. is uh, if it smells like petrol. But that's a positive sign that it's a good quality mm. Riesling. Mm. And a sign that it could be very good for aging. Yes, that as well. Now, we're not expecting that from this one. The bottom of the bottle is very flat. And we know it's only two years old. It's it's young. It's a quaffing wine, so it should be more floral and fruity. Hmm. Let's find out. Yes. Oh, what what is it that we're drinking? Oh yes, we... very important. Yes, yeah. we are drinking a Walrats Qualitwein Dry Rengau. Oh no, Walrats Qualitwein Dry Rengau Riesling. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. 2018. 2018. And it is from Schloss Wolrads, who have been producing Riesling for a very long while. Hmm. For over 800 years, in fact. Wow. Schloss Wolrads have been producing Riesling. Have they? Yes. On uh, some 80 hectares of vineyards. Interesting that they can claim that, given that the first uh, evidence of wine production is in the 15th century. Indeed, but this is on their very website. I will, I will read this. <laughs> we make use of our knowledge and tradition of over 800 years of viticulture. Okay. Though mm, so has, I suppose, what's well, that would suggest that Tw- viticulture has been around since 1200. It has. Oh yeah, wine, well, wine's been around since the 6th millennia BC. Yes, so they haven't necessarily been producing Riesling that entire time, but they have a knowledge and tradition Mm. of viticulture. Oh, good. So this should be very good. Hopefully. Let's let's hope. Let's find out. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, interesting nose. Yeah. It's very, very sort of fruit, like not, well, obviously fruit, uh, like apples and um, pear. Yeah, like a sort of more tart green apple kind of smell, I would say. Yeah. And yeah, pear, a little bit floral. This is, I guess, what what you'd expect of a young Riesling. Wow, that is like much sweeter than it smells. Yeah, and actually tastes a lot of green apple. Mm-hmm. Like a lot. It's very crisp, very fresh. Very refreshing too. Very refreshing. A little bit tart, but not excessively. Mm. And no, sweet, but not excessively. Mm. Well, I would I would call this more of a semi-sweet or a almost dry than actually sweet or dry. That's very interesting. 
I can't say I've had it, a wine quite like this before. Yeah, no. I mean, I've had Rieslings before, but they were always Australian. Same. And so they had that very distinctive Australian profile. Mm, which tends to be more zesty and zippy. Yeah. And dry. Yes, much more dry. Mm. And this is nice. This is really good. I'm well impressed. Mm. The Germans know something. <laughs> well, Schloss Wolrads know something. Mm. And uh, apparently they actually did begin. They, the family that owns Schloss Wolrads sold wine to the St. Victor Monastery in Maine since 1211. Wow. So, of course, they have been making wine for a while. Yeah. So, that that would make sense that they know what they're doing. It would, and it makes sense that this tastes so good. Mm. And, like, yes, if only you could all smell it and taste it as well. Well, you could if you go buy yourself a bottle. It's the 2018. Mm. And it turns out 2018 was a good year. For this particular wine. For this particular wine, yeah. In this particular region. <laughs> In this particular region, as far as we're aware. <laughs> twenty, well, 2017 was very good for reds, though. 2018. I have had some pretty good whites from 2018. Mm. So, I mean, 2018 was a good year for whites from Australia. Yes. A good year for German white wines. Mm. Possibly, maybe. Certainly a good year for Riesling. Def- definitely. Was, yeah, this yeah. is fantastic. It it fits mm. the flavor profile perfectly of what the text says a good German Riesling should taste like. Yeah, and well, for me, that's impressive in its own right because it doesn't usually happen. Yeah, it's not often at all that we taste something and it actually tastes like what they said it would. Yeah, yeah. We go, yeah, I kind of see that now that I'm looking for it. Yeah. But <laughs> but this, this is like, yep, this is what it tastes like. Yeah, exactly. And I guess with, yeah, 800 years of making wines and however long of making Rieslings mm. and possibly for possibly 600 years. I mean, yeah, they they already well and truly existed in 1435. Yeah. And well, let's go back the 600 years and talk about the birthplace, the the origins of Riesling. Yes, because it did originate on the Rhine River, which runs through France, Austria, Germany, and Switzerland. Hmm. Um and maybe a little bit more recently, DNA fingerprinting by the DNA fingerprinting indicated that one parent of Riesling is Grace Blanc, uh, known to the Germans as Weisser Hunisch, a variety that it's pretty rare now, but it was widely grown in the French and American, but it was widely grown by the French and German peasantry of the Middle Ages, which is about the time when it started to appear. Uh, the other parent could be a cross between, or the other parent is a cross between a wild vine and Tremina. And it's presumed that the Riesling was born somewhere in the Valley of the Rhine, 
since both Hunish and Tremina have long have a long documented history in Germany, but with parents from either side of the Adriatic. But with parents from either side of the Adriatic, the cross could have happened anywhere along the way. Interesting. And then, of course, it was found, it was tasted, people began to like it, they grew it, and around the 1500s, green grapes and Rieslings in particular did slowly grow in popularity. And then uh, in 1787, the Archbishop of Trier ordered that all bad vines be replaced by Riesling varietals. And, uh, yeah, so that, you know, vastly increased the number of grapes growing. And then by the 1850s, Riesling had become so fashionable and sought after that it actually sold for higher prices than Bordeaux and Champagne at that time. But as you mentioned earlier, that dropped off. Well, it it only dropped off in the uh, late 90s when... uh when Chardonnay started to get a good foothold in the uh, unwashed masses, the the local peasantry, I guess you could call them. Yeah, I suppose as as wine stopped being something only consumed by the wealthy, well, I mean, wine was always consumed by everybody, but the nicer wines more so by, mm. and that, by the wealthy. And that's how we we now drink Chardonnay, because Chardonnay was popular with the wealthy. And of course, if you want to feel wealthy and or well off you do what the rich people are doing yeah you drink chardonnay Mm. but now it's so popular it's called cardonnay yeah and it's everywhere (laughs) and you can buy it in a box yep invented by the aussies yeah yes we invented the cask wine or box wine as it's called i don't know if you can get a box riesling i i'm pretty sure i've seen one um, and most everything seems to come in cask form now. Yeah, but they call it a goon, ba- goon sack. Well, depending where you are, yes. Yeah. Some call it a pillow. Silver cushion. Mm. <laughs> For those of you playing at home who have no idea what we're referring to, once you've emptied the wine out of the bag that it comes in in the box, you can then inflate said bag and use it as a pillow. Hmm. Because you'll need to rest your head somewhere once you've finished off four litres of wine. Mm, or ten, depending which box you get. Holy shit. I have not seen a ten litre cask yet. I'm sure they exist. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, the world's most well-known Rieslings come from Austria, Alsace in France, and the Mosel and Rhine Valleys in Germany. Other places of note are the Finger Lakes and Washington State in the US and New Zealand. And of course, it grows in South Australia, among other Australian regions. Or did you mention that already? I did not. You did not, yes. No, I said Austria. Mm. And yes, Australians do grow it in, uh, in South Australia and other regions. It's most notably grown in the Clare Valley region. Mm. South Australia, where the weather is a little cooler and drier. Yes, indeed, because it is a varietal that lends itself to cooler weather. Mm. Doesn't like the heat. No, so it does not grow in Queensland. Yeah, correct. It needs to grow in the southern states where it is a mm. little bit cooler. Victoria, I think, grows some too. Uh, Mar- Margaret 
River? Yes, I, I, WA? I believe. Yeah, Margaret River's in WA, but oh. it gets quite... All of those sort of southern wine regions do mm. stay on the cooler side. And Tasmania has released a couple of Rieslings recently that have been very good and have done very well in the international wine and spirit competition. Yeah, and uh, Riesling, I guess we should note, is a late harvest grape. It is. Which gains much of its tartness from being left just a little bit later than you would normally bring in the crop. Hmm. Because that is where it gets its acidity. And oftentimes, depending on how a Riesling is made, you will find that it is sweeter or drier or more tart and generally the acidity can be balanced out by residual sugars that remain in a well-made Riesling. Mm. Although one of the big differences between the German and the French Rieslings is that the French Riesling, French winemakers are allowed to add a little bit of sugar to to the wine to increase the alcohol percentage. Ah, and I guess balance out that acidity a little bit more hmm. to make them a little bit sweeter. Yeah, and a little bit boozier. Yeah. So the, yes. the, the French Rieslings tend to be towards the 12-13% versus the German Rieslings, which are closer to the 10%. Yes, and the one we're currently drinking is 12.5. Oh, wow. So this is quite boozy for a German one. Yeah, it's it's up there for a for a German Riesling. Now, I guess we should talk briefly about the four different styles of Riesling, or the four different categories they can be put into. Because there's sweet, semi-sweet, dry, and uh, off dry. Mm. So you got you. dry, off dry, sweeter, late picked. But you've also got uh, Botrytis wine. Yes, well, and which we have mentioned in previous episodes. Mm. The noble rot does take its toll upon the vine. Mm. Um, But Riesling is one of the main varieties that uh, will be, which is good for the uh, noble wine. Yes, and in fact, I believe the noble... We we did a noble wine episode, and I believe it was a Riesling that we drank, and that was so sweet. It was Holy insanely moly. sweet. <laughs> I yeah, I've never tasted a wine this sweet before. Yeah, because I mean, Riesling is already quite sweet for something so acidic. Mm. It it's very mild. It like sits right in between mm. everything. And then the noble rot adds sweetness. Tenfold. Yeah. And so it just produces a Riesling that yeah, can hold its own against any super sweet dessert wine. Mm. So, how do you drink it? Let's talk about what uh, temperature and what glass you serve it in. Yes, well, certainly chilled, as with most white wines. Mm-hmm. Around the 8 to 10 degrees mark is ideal. We are talking Celsius. Yes. Or about 45 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit is ideal for a Riesling. For a, for a dry Riesling, the sweeter ones, you can be a little more flexible with the, the temperature. 
Yes, I mean, this one was when we first poured it nicely chilled and it's warmed up slightly, but it's still fantastic. I would say it's still about perfect. It's pro- it's prob- You're probably right, uh, closer to 10 to 12 at the moment, but yeah, straight out of the... Well, when we when you poured it, yeah, it was about eight, and it was magnificent. This is this is this is a good. This is one of the best Rieslings I've had. Damn you, Mickle! Damn you! You've ruined yes. them for me. I I cannot buy cheap ones now. That's it. It's all over. You never should have. <laughs> well, I mean that's true, but not surprisingly, Bratwurst is a good. Pairing the the mix of sweet Ooh. and potentially salty. Yeah, damn, we should have gotten some uh, German sausages for tonight's episode. Uh, what you could also pair a Riesling with, depending on which style of Riesling you get, um, you could pair it with uh, Mediterranean food, like uh, th- more on the light side of um, French cuisine. Or if you're if you're drinking an Australian Riesling or something from a slightly warmer climate, um, definitely seafood or uh, even a Asian stir fry, for yeah, example. Yeah, or uh, potentially a, a spicy Thai curry, even. Yeah. For a for a German Riesling, I would say not not necessarily for an Australian. I don't I don't know I would I don't know if I'd pair this one with but, a. With a spicy Thai oh, dish, I think the the fruity flavors and the acidity would cut through the spice to some extent. I think it would it would get lost. It's too subtle. Hmm. Yeah, perhaps a a vintage mm. would hold up better with Maybe. its stronger flavors. Um, certainly, I am. But def- seeing the suggestion of it here, gotcha. On well, the internets. Well, definitely full flavored cheeses. Uh, or certain hard cheeses like cheddar or maybe not vintage cheddar. That's a bit too bitey, but like, uh, yeah, uh, te- cheddar, uh, uh, Swiss cheese, that kind of, that kind of stuff I would pair this with. Yes. I think this would, uh, it would be pretty Gouda. Hmm. Gouda, um. What was that one that I brought with me to your place at one time? Gruyere. Gruyere, yes. Yeah, that would be that would go well with this too. Yes, Gruyere would certainly go well with mm. this as well. And I I think a smoky cheese. Yeah. Definitely would sit nicely alongside it. All right. So, out of out of 10, Mickle, bottle how, caps. How many bottle caps would you rate? Riesling in general. Mm. Well, Riesling in general or this Riesling? Yes. Let's do both. Yeah, so I think Riesling in general, I'd probably give it a an eight in in general, depending on if I'm in the mood for it, of course, because, you know, mm. and what food I'm trying to pair it with. Yeah. I, I would rate it pretty highly too, given that it's it's a quite easy to drink wine. It pairs with a lot of things, and the flavors are quite mild. It doesn't have that bitiness like a Chardonnay or a Semi-Sav Blanc. Yes. And this particular Riesling, how many mm. bottle caps would you give it? Oh, I'd give this one a nine and a half. 
Oh, right up there. I yeah. was thinking nine in the nine territory, to be sure, but nine and a half. This, that's, that's a near-perfect mark. This is the best Riesling I've had. It loses half a bottle cap because it's probably going to be very hard to get again. Unless you mm. can swing past the bottle shop on your way home <laughs> <laughs> and pick up a couple. This, this is definitely the good drop of today's episode. Oh, yes, without a doubt, this is our good drop. Now, we do also have an odd drop. Yes, we found one for this episode. We haven't done that for a while. No, it's been a while since we've had an odd drop. We There are so many drinks that take themselves far, far, far too seriously. Wine is not one of them. Fortunately, wine is not one of them. Well, depending on where you get it from. Yes, so there is a Kung Fu Girl Riesling. And um, it is um, American. Let us know how it tastes. Yes, if you can find it. Mm. I hope um, you can find it. Yes, apparently out of uh, a... It, it rates very well. Mm. Rates very well from uh, from what I found about it online. And isn't particularly expensive either. Oh, that's good. It'll be expensive here for sure. Oh yes, if we were able to locate it here, mm. it would yeah be very expensive because it's, it's an import. Well, also our dollar is terrible at the moment. Yes, especially against the US. Yeah. Um, I haven't got anything else. Yes, no, neither do I. So I guess it's uh, time for the plugs and then we can let you know what to look forward to next time. Mm. So if you liked what you heard, everybody, be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. We are on your favorite podcast apps as A Good Drop All About Alcohol. We're on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, and many, many other places. Yes, we are also on the socials, Facebook and Instagram as A Good Drop Podcast. Mm. And if you've got any comments, questions, uh, suggestions for future episodes, if you've got a Riesling that you think is fantastic and you think we need to try, send us an email to a good drop at gmail.com. And be sure to tell your friends to tune in next time, as you should do, when we get back to basics and talk all about gin. Hmm. We talked about gin a couple of years ago now. Yes, but now we're talking about how to get started drinking gin. Mm, and a, I guess a general overview of the different types. Mm, the types, the flavours, how to introduce yourself to it, perhaps how to introduce your friend who doesn't think they like gin to yeah. gin, because you like gin. And eat, or an easy way to drink it. Indeed. So, until next time, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.